Hello, Campus Cronies. Welcome back to Campus Crime Chronicles. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Turner, higher education professional and true crime addict. In every episode of this podcast, I take a deep dive into some sort of true crime that occurred on a school campus or a crime that's associated with a college or university in some way. For each episode, I rate the seriousness of the crime from 1 to 5 on my serious crime scale, with 1 being completely not serious, possibly even a little humorous from time to time, to 5 being very serious. Hey y'all, before I get started, just bear with me through this episode because I'm still nursing a bit of a cold, but I had to get this episode recorded somehow at some point, so... Um, I felt like now was as good a time as any because I feel good. I just don't necessarily sound that good. So bear with me as I get through this episode as I'm still kind of just hanging on to a little bit of a cold. This episode is rated a five. In October of 2022, a cross-state rivalry took a bleak turn when University of New Mexico student Brandon Travis and his friends visited New Mexico State University in Las Cruces for the two schools' annual football showdown. What started as a clash between fans ended with Travis on the losing side of the scuffle, which sparked a chilling chain of events. The next month, in November, when New Mexico State traveled to Albuquerque for a basketball face-off, Travis and his friends, still nursing a grudge, hashed out a revenge plot, which specifically targeted men's basketball player Mike Peake, or Michael Peake. The plan, however, went awry, resulting in tragedy, leaving one student dead and another severely injured. Join me as we unravel the gripping events that led to this incident and explore the aftermath that left both universities and the state of New Mexico in disbelief. This episode is titled Rivalry, Revenge, and Homicide. So without further ado, let's get started. November of 2022, the New Mexico State University men's basketball team traveled from Las Cruces to Albuquerque to play against its state rival, the University of New Mexico. The game, scheduled for November 19, 2022, never happened, though, after NMSU player Mike Peake was involved in an altercation on the campus of UNM just hours before the game was scheduled to begin. 21-year-old Peake was shot in the leg, while 19-year-old UNM student Brandon Travis was killed in the attack. But I'm sure you're wondering, how the hell did something like this escalate to the point that not only were these students attacking and fighting with one another on campus, but that they also decided guns were a necessary solution? Well, that's just it. There really is no good reason for any of it. To be honest, nothing has been reported as reasoning for the fight, beyond a deep-rooted rivalry between the two schools that just happened to cause these fights. Although I do have an overwhelming hunch that there is more to the story besides a rivalry gone wrong, 
but not a hunch that I can necessarily prove. So for the sake of this episode, I will stick to the facts that have been reported on. According to an Associated Press article from December 2022, quote, Travis was seeking revenge after being beaten up in a fight involving Peak and other men at an October 15th football game between the two rival schools in Las Cruces, end quote. So according to many articles released, that is the primary reason that this whole thing happened. So fast forward to November 2022, a month later, Travis allegedly sought out this revenge. So he hashed out a plan, a plan that included three other UNM students and luring Peak onto campus. So on November 19th, while Peak and his team were in Albuquerque, 21-year-old Peak found himself texting with a 17-year-old student from UNM, Maya Hill. Not sure that it took much convincing, if you know what I mean, but Peak made plans to meet up with Hill on campus after she promised him a sexual encounter. Shortly before 3 a.m., according to the Las Cruces Sun News, Peak snuck out of his hotel room in the Doubletree Hotel where the basketball team was staying, and he took a lift to the UNM campus. Mind you, this was all part of Travis's plan, and Hill was not really planning to actually have sex with Peak or anything like that. And from my understanding, Peak had no idea that Hill was 17 at the time. Allegedly, Travis just wanted Peak on campus so he and two of his friends could ambush Peak in a surprise attack. Once on campus, Peak met Hill outside of her dorm, and the two began walking toward the parking lot. Suddenly, out of nowhere, Travis and his two friends charged Peak from behind, with one of them carrying a baseball bat. When they reached Peak, the man with the bat swung and struck Peak in the legs while Travis wielded a gun. In a matter of seconds, the fight escalated, and Travis fired at Peak, which hit him in his leg. Then, as if a natural instinct of survival kicked in, Peak, who was equipped with a gun of his own, began shooting back, ultimately hitting Travis in his chest and fatally wounding him. As Hill and the other two men scattered away, Peak began hopping around the campus parking lot, seriously injured in one leg and steadily losing blood. Peak was later rushed to a nearby hospital where he was treated for his injuries. Travis, however, was declared dead on the scene by the Office of the Medical Investigator. After this, the game that was scheduled to take place just hours later was postponed, and the UNM men's basketball team tweeted, quote, Our thoughts are with all those impacted by this tragedy, end quote. The next information on the situation, however, didn't come until a couple of weeks later on December 5th, 2022. According to an article by Isabel Gonzalez for CBS News, due to Mike Peake's involvement in the altercation, as well as, you know, violating university policies of bringing a gun onto campus and onto a bus and traveling with a team, he was suspended indefinitely from the men's basketball team. According to the article, NMSU athletic director Mario Mocha and head coach Greg Hare had jointly made the decision to suspend him a week prior to the announcement. So I guess there was some movement prior to when this article came out, but they did not want to publicly announce the decision while Peak was still in the hospital recovering from his gunshot wound, which was an injury that had required at least three different surgeries in the days following the incident. Anyway, the athletic director, Mocha, explained the delayed announcement further, saying, quote, If there is criticism, I'm more than willing to take that. But I felt that, while I can't get into specifics, 
But while an individual is going through multiple procedures, I felt that's not the appropriate time for that announcement, end quote. The decision came after considering Peek's actions the night of the incident. Like I said, he took a gun onto the school bus as the team traveled across the state. He then snuck out of his hotel room in the early morning hours of November 19th and went to the UNM campus, all without permission. However, at a press conference, head coach Greg Hare acknowledged the situation for what it was. Hare said, quote, I'm apologetic about what happened. I take full responsibility for what happened. We are going to continue to get better as a basketball team and put a great product on the court. I take full responsibility. I can't say anything more than that, end quote. And just put a pin in that (laughs) because what he says right there is a little bit poetic. So put a pin in that. Here's the thing though. This answered just one of the many questions everyone had regarding the whole situation. I mean, for starters, why did he bring a gun with him on a school trip in the first place? I mean, did he think he would need it? Like, did he expect to get into a fight with someone at UNM? As you can see, there were just so many questions left unanswered. And they would continue to be unanswered for a few more days. That is until December 7th, 2022. On this day, surveillance video that police had collected from the UNM campus was officially released to the public, which gave a much clearer picture of exactly what happened. And as a side note, I think it's important to point out that the only reason the video and additional information was released to the public on this date was because several media outlets had filed a FOIA request or a Freedom of Information request. The police and even the two universities had been pretty tight-lipped about most of the details surrounding the incident. Basically, nobody was saying nothing. So as you can imagine, the public had been anxiously awaiting this information. So for the rest of the episode, I'm going to stick to the timeline of information that unfolded to the public from December 2022 to essentially now, like nearly a year later. Although I will say most of it was resolved back in May of this year. But I'll start with the video that was released, which is still out there on the internet today if you wanted to look it up. But I'll go ahead and describe to you exactly what is in it. First, the video shows Maya Hill exiting her dorm, Coronado Hall, on campus, and she walks toward Peek, who is waiting for her outside. As Hill and Peek walk out of camera view, you can see three people dressed in dark clothing run toward Hill and Peek, but it soon becomes obvious they are specifically targeting Peek and Peek only. The video also shows one of the men carrying a baseball bat in his hand. Another camera angle shows the three people confront Peek as one of them pushes him. Then, presumably, Brandon Travis suddenly points a gun at Peek while another man hits Peek with the bat in his legs. Peek can then be seen like sprinting off or trying to run off, at which point Travis can be seen firing a shot at Peek, who fires right back at Travis. So, like I said, it all happened and unraveled very quickly. Shortly after the altercation, three teammates of Peek's Isa Muhammad, Marcellus Avery, and Anthony Roy can be seen on the surveillance video pulling up in a yellow Chevy Camaro. Soon after, the teammates can be seen placing the gun as well as Peek's tablet inside the trunk of the car. Now, at this point, it was unclear exactly how Peek got to the hospital. Some reports that came out speculated that his friends took him, but then other reports said they just took the weapon and left while Peek waited, you know, injured, on the campus until paramedics arrived. 
I'm 95% sure it's the latter of the two, as we do know that EMS did in fact arrive. Regardless, the three primary points of the situation are, one, Peek was shot in the leg and survived after seeking treatment at a nearby hospital, albeit after having multiple surgeries and a lengthy hospital stay. Two, Brandon Travis was pronounced deceased at the scene. And finally, three, the others involved, you know, the other two male UNM students and then Maya Hill, the female UNM student, they all fled the scene. Upon the release of this surveillance footage, police also released additional information regarding the identity of those involved in the deadly altercation. According to the Las Cruces Sun News, 19-year-olds Jonathan Smith and Elijah Upshaw were the other two males involved, and Smith told police that Upshaw was the one who hit Peak with the bat. KRQE News in Albuquerque reported that the UNM students told police they knew Peak would be in town for the basketball game, so they got their friend, 17-year-old Hill, to agree to lure Peak to campus so they could jump him. After the shooting, Smith told police that he and Upshaw ran back to Coronado Hall and changed their clothes. Smith also said that he threw his phone under a car in the parking lot to avoid being tracked, but that he and Upshaw hung around afterward and intentionally blended into the crowd as, you know, police showed up and processed the scene. When police interviewed Hill, she told them that she had no idea they were planning to shoot Peak. According to KRQE News, Hill told police, quote, They were just going to jump him. Nobody was supposed to die. Nobody was even supposed to get shot, end quote. As for when the shooting did occur, Hill explained, quote, I just started walking and I didn't see them because they came up from behind us. But the only person I did see was B and he pointed the gun at Michael's face. And after I ran, end quote. And when she said B, she was referring to Brandon Travis, just FYI. Anyway, upon the UNM student's arrest, Smith was charged with aggravated battery and tampering with evidence. Hill was booked into the juvenile detention center and charged with aggravated battery and conspiracy. At the time, on December 7th, it was unknown whether Upshaw would be charged. The next day, on December 8th, Hill was out of lockup with an ankle monitor, and Smith was allowed to go stay with his mother in Texas on house arrest. So now, I'm sure you're thinking, okay, that answers some of the questions about the students who lured Peak onto campus, but what about Peak? Was he facing any charges? I mean, even though he was targeted, he still used a weapon that ultimately took another person's life. Speaking of weapon, where is it? It's technically a murder weapon, right? So did they get it from the three other players who showed up to help Peak? And what about those other players? Were they charged with anything? Maybe evidence tampering? Well, the answer to all those questions is sit tight, (laughs) because I'm going to get to that side of the story. But y'all, it is complicated and messy to say the least. So bear with me as I get through the rest of the timeline. Okay, so the morning of November 19th. So after it happened, it happened at like 3 a.m. in the morning. So later that morning, New Mexico State Police Investigator David Escabel was assigned to interview the NMSU basketball coaches, which he did at the Doubletree Hotel in Albuquerque, you know, where the team was staying. According to an article in the Las Cruces Sun News, Escobar asked head coach Hare if he could speak with the three students who showed up to campus to help Peak, Muhammad, Avery, and Roy. 
Hare, however, was leery about allowing him to talk to his players, and he stated that he needed to consult with people above him, as in the athletic director, to see if the players needed to be represented by attorneys while speaking with police. As an alternative to speaking with the players, Hare told police that they could speak to assistant coach Dominique Taylor, because apparently Taylor and Peak had been on the same team a year prior, so the two had, you know, like a good rapport and they knew each other pretty well. Taylor, however, was not much help either. He told investigator Escabel the same thing as Hare, that they needed to wait until the AD, or for him, even the assistant AD, until they gave them the go-ahead. Apparently, it took police 12 hours to track down the gun that Peak used to shoot and ultimately kill Travis with. You see, after the interviews, Escabel tried to get in touch with the head coach again, but for over two hours, his calls went unanswered and were sent to voicemail. Finally, by 12.27 p.m. on November 19th, Escabel received a call from Assistant Athletic Director at NMSU, Braun Cartwright, who said he could help answer any questions. In follow-up calls with Cartwright throughout the day, Escabel learned that the bus carrying the NMSU basketball team was on its way back to Las Cruces, you know, since the game for that day had been canceled. Escabel explained to the Las Cruces Sun News that upon learning this, quote, I began driving south on Interstate 25 with my lights and sirens activated, attempting to locate the bus with the NMSU basketball team on it, end quote. Eventually, state police coordinated with the team to have the bus stop at a rest area about halfway between Albuquerque and Las Cruces. Upon meeting the bus, Escabel said he recovered Peak's tablet from assistant coach Lorenzo Jenkins, but the gun... Well, it was still with assistant coach Dominique Taylor all the way back at the Doubletree Hotel in downtown Albuquerque. So after a long day of cat and mouse, it seems, police finally made arrangements to retrieve the gun. KRQE News reported that Taylor met a police officer in the downtown hotel to hand it over as evidence. It was wrapped in a white hotel bath towel, which could be seen from the body cam of the officer who collected the gun. As he was handing the gun over to police, Taylor explained how he came to possess it. He said, quote, the guys said they left it in their room or whatever. And I said, okay, well, where is it? And so I went downstairs, picked it up, brought it upstairs. Then I called the administrator, the athletic director, and I go, hey, I have it. What do I do with it? He's like, uh, just leave it. You know, they'll come get it, end quote. And that's exactly what happened. However, as I'm sure you can imagine, there were tons of questions about the coach's actions that night, as well as the players. So, on December 7th, the same day all this surveillance video was released, NMSU announced that it was bringing in a third-party law firm to investigate and review the events surrounding the shooting, as well as how university administration and coaches handled it. In a press release, NMSU Chancellor Dan Arvizu said, quote, we will be incredibly transparent during this process. We owe that to our community and to everyone associated with our university, end quote. Arvizu went on to say that the university planned to select an independent firm to examine the shooting and the events and actions surrounding the shooting. Arvizu added, quote, the firm selected will be encouraged to review any public documents regarding this case and be fully empowered to speak with any NMSU employees, students, or other individuals necessary to ensure we fully understand the facts. If there is anything we should have done differently, this report will let us know, end quote. 
As for legal ramifications, though, as of December 8th, 2022, Peek was not facing any charges, and it was unknown whether the three players who took the gun would face any charges either. Like I said, complicated situation. However, for their part in the altercation, like helping Peek, Muhammad, Avery, and Roy were each suspended for one game. The next movement in the timeline of this case happened 10 days later on December 18th, 2022. On this day, police announced that Elijah Upshaw, the one allegedly carrying the bat who hit Peek in the legs, was charged with two counts of aggravated battery and one count of conspiracy and tampering with evidence. However, on this day, even more information was released regarding Upshaw's and Smith's actions after the shooting. KRQE News reported that Upshaw and Smith actually called 911 immediately following the altercation. They also pressed a campus help button for good measure. Afterward, they reportedly broke a window in Coronado Hall, which is how they went inside and then they changed their clothes. When they returned to where Brandon Travis had died in the parking lot of the residence hall, Upshaw allegedly pinned another student against a wall because the student was laughing as they watched police process the scene. According to the Associated Press, Upshaw was arrested on December 18th and held without bond. Police additionally announced on December 18th that the gun Peak possessed was registered and legal. However, the gun Travis used was actually stolen out of a man's truck in Clovis, New Mexico. A few days later, however, on December 22nd, 2022, Upshaw was released from jail and allowed to live with his mother in Maryland. According to the reporting of Colin Deaver for KTSM 9 News, there were multiple conditions that Upshaw had to abide by. For starters, he could not possess any firearms, and he could not have any contact with Peek or any of his alleged co-defendants or witnesses. And finally, Upshaw had to abide by a strict curfew in Maryland. Then, shortly after the new year, on January 10th, 2023, Upshaw officially entered a guilty plea. At that point, the Rodney Law Firm, which had been hired by NMSU, was in the middle of conducting their internal investigation. Simultaneously, the Bernalillo County District Attorney's Office was also conducting a legal investigation to determine if Peek or any of his teammates would face any charges as a result of the incident. So the next movement in the case came on January 19th, 2023. The Las Cruces Sun News reported that Jonathan Smith, you know, one of the suspects in the attack against Peak, officially pleaded guilty to felony charges of conspiracy to commit aggravated battery with great bodily harm and tampering with evidence. As part of the plea, Smith could face up to three years in prison, but so far this year, nothing has been reported on regarding his actual sentence. Hill, Maya Hill, also took a plea deal in the case. According to KRQE News, she pleaded guilty in juvenile court to aggravated battery and conspiracy charges. Maya Hill, who is now 18 years old, was sentenced to probation until she turns 21. She was also ordered to continue going to school or to maintain a job, as well as continue with mental health treatment. As for Upshaw, KRQE News reported that he never accepted a plea deal and he is slated to go to trial sometime in 2024, so I'll be sure to update y'all after the trial plays out, or after we know more. So let's circle back around to Mike Peake and the legal investigation on his part. In May of 2023, 
the Bernalillo County DA's office announced that Mike Peak would not face any charges in relation to the fatal shooting. In an official statement from the DA's office, quote, the decision to not charge Mike Peak was made by the prior administration based on all the facts and evidence presented to them. Nothing has changed, so we're honoring that decision, end quote. The statement went on to note that police officially determined that Peak acted in self-defense. And while it was also a petty misdemeanor to carry a gun onto campus, the DA's office decided against charging Peak with that misdemeanor as well, you know, after reviewing the weight of the evidence. According to a statement provided by the New Mexico Attorney General, quote, Prosecutors made the decision not to charge Mike Peake with a petty misdemeanor for gun possession on campus in order to ensure his continued cooperation and subsequent testimony against three individuals charged with multiple violent felonies. Being a prosecutor sometimes involves making trade-offs in order to serve competing public safety objectives, and in this case, we made the informed decision to prioritize the successful identification apprehension, and prosecution of three individuals who committed a violent, premeditated attack on UNM's campus, end quote. According to ESPN.com, Peek entered the NCAA transfer portal in December of 2022, but he has yet to be picked up by any team. As for the NMSU basketball team and the school's internal investigation, well, y'all, that thing went south so fast. <laughs> I'm sure many of you have heard that NMSU no longer has a men's basketball program at all. So let me try to explain quickly because yeah. Anyway, in the middle of all this legal stuff with Peak, before any resolution could be made, NMSU indefinitely suspended its men's basketball program in February of 2023. ESPN reported that university officials said it was a decision completely unrelated to the fatal shooting. Actually, the shutdown of the program is a whole different episode of Campus Crime Chronicles. No, seriously, like perhaps for the Patreon that kicks off in January. Hmm. But let's just say it involved allegations of hazing, false imprisonment, harassment, and sexual contact. Uh, yeah. And not only did head coach Greg Hare get fired, but Chancellor Arvizu's contract did not get renewed either. So yeah, lots of drama. But again, like I said, that is for a different episode. Until then, that basically wraps up this story. So to recap, Peek was never charged with any kind of criminal act, nor were his teammates, because it was determined he acted in self-defense after an ambush attack. Two of the UNM students involved in the attack pleaded guilty, and the third is still awaiting trial. And it seems to me that Brandon Travis is the one who, unfortunately, paid the ultimate price of this rivalry gone wrong, a price that cost him his life. Before I officially end the episode, though... I'd like to leave you with a statement that the University of New Mexico released in May after it was announced that Peak would not face any charges. And you know, the University of New Mexico is where the shooting actually occurred, although that's not where Peak went to school. But still, I think this statement really sheds light on exactly what colleges and universities have to consider and go through when such acts of violence and tragedy occur on their campuses. So the statement read, quote, Both UNM policies and New Mexico state law clearly prohibit the carrying of guns and other weapons on our campuses, and anyone found to be carrying weapons on campus is subject to being charged with a petty misdemeanor. 
We understand that the district attorney is not seeking to charge Michael Peake with bringing a gun on UNM's campus. During the time that the case was under investigation, UNM took the action of banning Michael Peake from campus, increased patrols, and building access controls, and communicated extensively with our community around safety, security, and well-being of our resident Lobos in the wake of this terrible tragedy. As the New Mexico State Police Investigations Bureau led the investigation, with assistance from the New Mexico State Police Crime Scene Team and the University of New Mexico Police Department, UNM PD would not typically act independently in pursuing charges that have been evaluated by state police and the district attorney's office. That this individual was subject to the possibility of a criminal charge and will not be prosecuted in no way changes UNM's position on unauthorized individuals having weapons on campus, our approach to law enforcement, or our commitment to providing a safe and secure campus environment. End quote. Okay, y'all, that officially brings us to the end of Chronicle 63. As always, be sure to check out my social media where I post photos associated with each case and episode. You can find me at Campus Crime Chronicles on both Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget, I'm trading episodes for reviews on Apple Podcasts. For every 50 reviews, I'll release a bonus episode of Campus Crime Chronicles. So keep those reviews coming, y'all. Okay, well, that's all for today, so bye for now. Campus Crime Chronicles is researched, written, and recorded by me, Nicole Turner, and it's edited and produced by Giari Gassaway. Tune in again in two weeks for the next Chronicle.